0: Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood REI and welcome our guest, strong and powerful Jake Vanderslice. Jake, are you ready to do this? I'm good to go. Good to see you. Good to see you. Jacob is the principal at Van West Partners. They're a real estate investment firm focusing on the acquisition and management of self-storage centers. Another opportunity real estate throughout the United States. I'm excited to have you on. Jake, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: All right, yeah, we're a private equity shop based out of Denver. We focus only on real estate. Uh, Grew up in Denver. I've got two boys that are uh, almost three in in a year and a half. So we got our our hands full at home and we had started investing real estate about 15 years ago and we started off doing single family residential deals. We've done a well over a thousand single family fix and flips over the years. Uh, We got into commercial real estate back in 13 and 14 and we started doing adaptive reuse retail projects around town. So repositioning old warehouses into multi-tenant experience based retail And then we got into the self-storage business back in 2015, and we liked the asset class because of its really historic recession resistance aspect uh, to it, and it's defensible um, during downturns and disruptions. So we started building self-storage facilities in Denver, and we expanded our platform into multiple other markets in the following years, and now we've got uh, 25 storage facilities, mostly in the Midwest and the Southeast, and uh, we're looking to buy more.
0: That's what we're up to. Appreciate that very much. So I've got a, a four-year-old and a almost one and a half-year-old boys. So you and I can compare notes. In a, as, as soon yes, as we're, done
1: we're, uh, we're just behind you right there. So
0: yeah, <laughs> awesome. It's 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 equal parts rewarding and maddening at the same time, Jacob. At least that's that that been my experience. So
1: uh, I couldn't agree more. I would say I would say, <laughs> I would say uh, evenings and weekends
0: uh, can be more challenging than uh, my day job at the office. Yeah, but yeah. challenging in a good way for sure. So. Well, interesting. I I am in Phoenix. You are in Denver. I I from the outside looking in. I'm not a real estate expert. It seems like these are markets that have really grown and are continuing to grow. And what was was it always your desire to be able to to make pivots as you saw different opportunities, or you just made pivots as you saw different opportunities?
1: Yeah. Um the first time you try something is the first time you try something. And uh, we we try to study new opportunities as much as possible, but the only way to learn how to execute a new strategy is to do a deal. And uh, we haven't really replaced our other strategies. We've just kind of layered on additional strategies and we've tried to really pivot to being more long-term income investors versus transactional buy, stabilize and sell investors. Um, So a lot of the deals we bought in the last three years are longer term plays Enjoying the the benefits of of holding real estate for the long term, enjoying the appreciation, the tax benefits, the cash flow aspects. Um, so for right now, we're doing storage, but we'll we'll see what the next thing is that we cook up down the road.
0: Yeah, interesting. What is what is the the wisdom, the challenges behind building a storage facility from scratch versus going and acquiring existing?
1: Yeah, we've we've done all the above. We've done ground up development. We've repositioned existing buildings from a prior use into self storage, and we've bought existing self storage facilities. And really, the big difference between either building or buying existing is the risk profile. Um, development right now is very difficult, uh, even though you would think there's some arbitrage out in the market. Uh, the real estate market, to a large large degree, did not get the COVID memo. Things are keep <laughs> things keep going up to a degree, and. If you're doing ground-up development, your time to revenue can be two and a half or three years. You have to get the project entitled. You have to build it. Um, material costs have gone way up. Obviously, lumber, steel have just gone through the roof. Uh, subcontractor bench depth is tough to source. So, really, ground-up development works, but it's a it's a riskier proposition and a longer road to cash flow. And that's really why we're mainly focused on existing facilities that already have in place cash flow, and we add value to them with capital improvements and, and mainly
0: management efficiencies over time. Got it. When you say management efficiencies, that means bringing in new systems and processes.
1: Yeah. it's uh, Over 70% of storage facilities in the U.S. are owned by onesie, twosie, sort of mom-and-pop owners. And they don't control their revenue very well. They don't control their expense load. Sometimes they don't have a, a website, so they're not great at marketing. So most of our value creation, we make them look better after we buy them, but most of our value creation is really bringing existing customers up to market rents. Uh, aggressively online advertising and getting Google reviews, and uh, and just kind of efficiently optimizing the the income stream on the facility.
0: Got it. So as you are, you're 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 sitting around with with yourself or your partners and trying to figure out okay, with the current environment of. It's, it's, it's tough to find really high-quality labor because it's so competitive and the cost of this stuff is going so high and probably the real estate here in Denver is so high. Um, do, you, do you have certain metrics that you look at and, 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 and try to make just new investment decisions? Walk me through that process.
1: Yeah, self-storage is very local supply sensitive, so we track supply ratios in the 1, 3, and 5 mile trade radius uh, from, a, from a given acquisition opportunity. And nationally, there's about 7 square feet per capita of self-storage in the U.S. And once you get over 8 or 9, up to 10 and, and beyond, you start to see a, a real decline in revenue and occupancy. And if you're underneath that number, you see more buoyant occupancy and more buoyant revenue. So we first track what the supply ratio is in the one, three, and five mile. And then we're also targeting markets in general that have good real estate nuts and bolts. So population growth, um, a non-oppressive non uh, municipal or statewide tax environment, population growth, good wages, um, and density. Um, Income is not as important as rooftops near your facility. You just you don't want to buy deals that are in an overly uh, rural location a because your customer base is smaller and B if a new competitor builds a new facility nearby because of the small size of the area, it's going to really uh, throw off your supply ratios. So really, really density rooftops and uh, and buying in markets that are either at supply ratios that make sense or undersupplied.
0: Interesting. And so that's, that's, that's noble information of what the square foot per capita is in a certain community. Yeah.
1: yeah. Most people don't think about that, but uh, there's a lot of self-storage in the US and, and self-storage is, is uniquely a American asset class. <laughs> um, we, we fill up our houses, we buy a bigger house, we fill that house up and we, we need somewhere to keep our stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful way to, to describe it as a uniquely American asset class right there. I need more yeah, stuff. Yeah, don't see, see much of these in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that might be just the most American thing in the world right there, self-storage that's right. units. <laughs> that's right, yep. Okay, so that that's fast, and that that, that that makes perfect sense. So you said that the average is seven square feet of of yeah. storage space? Yeah, plus okay. or minus. Got yeah. it. And where do you you know, like the highest, like this city has 20. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show.
1: Yeah, that's, that's been one of the big risks of the asset classes is oversupply. A lot of groups got into the business in the last five years that were not in the business before. They all came out of the ground at the same time. And before you know it, you look across the street and somebody's breaking ground right behind you. And you're kind of wondering, oh, I hope this goes okay. Um, some of the markets that are really oversupplied are markets like Denver, which is in our backyard, which is why we've been doing a deal here for a long time. Uh, Seattle is pretty oversupplied, the coastal markets in general. Miami has had a big influx of self-storage supply. Um, so, yeah, a lot, of it's, a lot of it's come out of the ground in the last five years. We've, we've seen that curtail to a degree in the last six months. New deliveries have kind of plateaued. Um, but once that opportunity kind of returns, I expect to see some more, some more ground-up projects happening.
0: Yeah, interesting. And probably opportunities for, uh, for a wise operator to come in and pick up some of those that maybe the eyes were bigger than the actual stomach.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of folks came out of the ground thinking uh, two and a half years from now, we're going to get $1.50 foot rents. And they deliver and they find out they're getting a $1.20 mm-hmm. or a $1.15. And that's a meaningful delta, not only in your dividend yield from a cash flow perspective, but from your total value creation on the project. And that's that there is one of the aside from the hard costs and the time, the the risk of forecasting revenue out two and a half or three years down the road is um,
0: is a big one. Got it. And you probably already told me this, but what 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 is your background? How are you so knowledgeable about all this stuff?
1: Well, we just uh, we just do stuff and eventually figure it out. Uh, yeah, you, your best best way to learn in real estate is to do a deal. We I've always liked the entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, I was a career firefighter for a couple of years before <laughs> I got into real estate, and uh, <clears throat> really just kind of learn by making mistakes. We like to say that we get a, a little less stupid every year. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what to do, but we we can tell you mostly what not to do. Um, and I, I think real estate is just in general it's a broad it's a broad Stroke, obviously, you, you can say that real estate's an asset class by itself. There's a lot of subcategories within real estate that are very different. But in general, we just, uh, we enjoy um, controlling hard assets that have intrinsic value, even in a declining market or uh, obviously an upswing market, they go up in value. But the chances that your money ever goes to zero are very low. You've got land, you've got buildings and you've got income. And that's why we like real estate so much. And and frankly, we're not really smart enough to do anything else.
0: Sure, you're 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 a stock, Jake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not day trading uh, in the stock market. because I just don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But we know yeah. how to buy real estate, make it better, and and make
0: it cash flow. Fair enough talked about how, how income is not necessarily one of the key things that you look at um, when you start when you're trying to make decisions about where a good place or good acquisition target is you have a sense of what the what the sort of medium or median or average income for somebody who has a storage unit is
1: yeah it, it depends on it depends on the area obviously there there are a couple of rules of thumb that we we believe may or may not be true some people say that uh of area median income is a good number for your self storage rates. So if uh, If somebody's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, they might be able to afford to spend two grand a year on a storage unit Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen a loose correlation with that, but income is less important than density Uh, You could have very very low median incomes in a given uh, one three and five mile trade radius but still have a pretty good income stream on your on your unit rates and on your occupancy so the incomes, uh, the income demographics are kind of loosely correlated, but density and supply ratios and market rents are much more important.
0: Got it. That certainly makes sense. So you talked about how how you you, you like hard assets with intrinsic value uh, for the, for the various reasons that you laid out, and that that certainly makes sense to me. As you are um, focused on on storage right now, who 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 knows what the future might hold, and you're always looking for different opportunities. Here in, in, in Arizona, it seems like there is a, a strip mall just after another strip mall after another strip mall. And I just can't imagine that there is enough demand for a bed, bath and beyond uh, for every household in, in, in Phoenix. And at some point, there's going to be, um, I guess, vacancies. What, what, do you, you have thoughts on that of could that be repurposed or, or am I getting ahead of myself?
1: It could certainly be repurposed and and retail, hospitality and to a degree office are kind of the three asset classes that really got beat up during the pandemic and they continue to to struggle. Um, We have done a number of projects like that, and we see a lot of other operators do big box retail conversions from retail into self-storage. Physically, it's a great strategy because the building is already there. Uh, It's typically CMU construction and uh, an investor can come in install storage units inside, upgrade the HVAC and the roof if necessary, and possibly do some mezzanine space if there's enough clear height, and really be into a project for a price per square foot that's gonna be lower than building a new one. The challenge is is zoning. Typically, retail locations are not zoned for a storage use, and municipalities are fairly averse to changing the zoning use from uh, retail into self-storage. Um, they want to hold out typically for the big box grocer that'll come in to drive up sales tax revenue. Unfortunately, those aren't really materializing lately, just given what's happened. So, getting them rezoned is the challenge, but uh, operators have certainly succeeded in doing that. But it's tough to do.
0: So, that is, and that certainly makes sense that, that if it's a grocery store, it's going to be considerably more sales tax revenue than a self storage facility
1: exactly and and therein lies the challenge with the city agreeing to change the use in general
0: and so that that re- hmm. and so do you find yourself or do operators find themselves then lobbying and trying to educate a a municipality or the city on saying hey i understand that you would rather have more sales tax than not but what about this thing sitting empty for six months instead?
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we've seen a number of our associates in the space uh, speak in front of city council meetings, in front of neighborhood meetings to get zoning reapproved, and or, or approved rather. And sometimes it goes well because they realize that that big box retail has been vacant for maybe five years, and somebody's got to do something with the building. Um, typically, they're a little more averse if it's been recently vacant because they want to hold out for that higher sales tax revenue user that, uh, may or may not ever come.
0: Yeah. Like we're waiting for the whole foods, Jake. So we're going to, we're going to wait on that for a little while.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think they would choose whole foods over
0: self storage. Sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. So, all right, perfect. Um, so you are, um, how, how, how do people interact with you then? Do they, do they invest with you?
1: Yeah, we typically do, we do one of two things. We, um, syndicate one off deals. So we'll form an LLC, we'll make an acquisition, we'll raise capital for that LLC and investors have an ownership interest in that LLC. And we also do funds and really the difference between a fund and a special purpose entity or single asset syndication is a fund is a collection of assets. And, a multi-asset strategy, we believe, is better for investors and better for us because of the cash flow and geographic diversification. Inevitably, in a 10 property portfolio, maybe eight of the properties go really well, but two, two kind of lag behind expectations. So the cash flow from the other eight kind of pull those up as they get stabilized. So we mainly do fund strategies the last couple of years, and uh, our, our, our focus is cash flow and capital appreciation and tax advantages to uh, to investors. And we think holding these things longer term versus transacting often is much more tax efficient and a, a better way to create wealth in the space.
0: Love it. Well, Jake, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Um, if, you, if you're considering investing in real estate, it's really easy to overthink and not do anything. So go out and find a deal in your market, whether it's a single-family home or a duplex or triplex or maybe even a storage deal. And uh, put some capital together and call up your banker and do a deal. That's the best way to learn. And I think any any cornerstone of someone's wealth creation strategy should include real estate. And sitting on the sidelines, you're just missing opportunity. So don't overthink it and
0: go out and do a deal. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets. It. Come on, come on. To begin, begin. Just got to get started. Love it. Well, Jake, thanks so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can people learn about potentially investing with you?
1: Uh, you can hit us on our website at vanwestpartners.com or hit me on LinkedIn, and that's Jacob Vanderslice.
0: Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jacob your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates g- good ideas, go to Van West Partners. Is that is that right, Jake? You got it. VanWestPartners.com. You can find Jacob on LinkedIn as Jacob Vanderslice. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Jake. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform, for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show.